Welcome to Freedom Friday. Mark Danolo here, Art School MBA and CEO of Sales Globe. And it's that day of the week we get to take a fresh look at creative, data-driven problem solving. And today I want to talk about planning. I want to ask the question, really, why plan? Why plan for your business? Why plan personally? Why plan for your most important accounts? When you hear the phrase account planning, if you're in sales, you probably have some kind of reaction. What is it you feel when you hear account planning? Do you get some sort of visceral reaction or spike? Do you think of what a massive exercise and waste of time it's going to be? Do you have 15 other priorities that are way more important than doing that? I've, I've had the same reaction. And if you've ever worked on a strategic account plan with your team, maybe by yourself, and, and you've come up with lots of great ideas, sometimes you feel like it becomes an exercise in documentation. And after it's done, it gets filed away and you just get back to business. So why do we even do it? You know, maybe next year we pull out the account plans and, and we go, wow, did we actually do anything we said we were going to do? And maybe we hit a couple of things, maybe we didn't. So the account planning itself maybe has limited impact and it becomes this big administrative thing, which is why we, we don't like to do it. So most of us, when we hear the term account planning, we either want to run in the other direction or... If we can't, if we're locked in because we're part of a team, we go into passive-aggressive mode and we just get through it. So we may already have an unhealthy foundation for strategic account planning. Let me ask you another question. Why don't we just not have a plan? I mean, that'd be a lot easier, right? If you don't have a plan, you can wish for or even expect an outcome. Maybe you try to manifest that outcome, but, but because you don't have a plan, you don't have a path, any path could get you to your outcome because you're not quite sure where your outcome is or your way to get to it, and it's not really clear. So if we leave it to chance, chances are we're going to end up behind. And what happens when we end up behind? We're getting to the end of the quarter, we're getting to the end of the year, and we're way off in terms of where we need to be. Oh, we start doing a few different things. Like we start operating in emergency mode. We start pursuing opportunities we shouldn't pursue. Using a basketball metaphor, we start taking those lower probability three-point shots to try to catch up. We stop playing the methodical game and making the predictable points in the paint, to use that metaphor again, because we're panicking. We don't have the patience to think strategically. So we stop operating according to a game plan because we never really had a game plan. Maybe we come up with a triage plan. That sounds like it works. So it doesn't sound like a very sustainable way to run your business. I mean, do you really want to operate and live this way? So I was having a conversation a couple of weeks ago with the chief revenue officer of a large company, and they have a lot of strategic accounts. It's the Pareto rule for them where they have about 20% of their accounts representing about 80% of their revenue. That's pretty common. But there's lots of opportunity to develop those accounts further and diversify out by growing the next 5% of accounts or the next 10% of accounts. So we were talking about strategic account planning, and he made an insightful comment. He said, in my prior company, we were all about the process. We had an account plan for every strategic account. He said it was a major exercise, and we had every I dotted and every T crossed. And in fact, we almost spent as much time on account planning as we actually did selling and working with the customer. And then he went on. He said, so in this company where I am now, we do minimal account planning. We don't try to define what our salespeople should be doing because we want them to work according to their own individual styles. 
I thought about this. In reaction to how his prior company did account planning, it caused such a pain to the sales team and probably didn't help results much, so he went in a completely the opposite direction, to no structure and no plan. And the results were showing. The organization was underperforming, which is why we were having the conversation in the first place. So he had a bunch of renegade hotshots and some non-hotshots that were doing their own thing, and they had a no-plan approach that clearly wasn't working. But this executive described exactly what happens in a lot of organizations. First, we might overplan, and it becomes a dysfunctional situation. It creates a lot of trauma for the sales team. Second, we could do a halfway job, and it's never really done well, and the team looks back on the plans in a year after they dust them off, and they realize they did very little that was in the plan. Or third, we just don't do any organized, consistent planning at all. So let's look at that basketball metaphor again, because it's a good one for this situation. This company's current approach is a lot like saying we have some great players, and they know what to do. It's like saying we've got Michael Jordan and LeBron James. They don't need a game plan or coordinated team. They just know how to win. Really? They don't need a team around them that's working according to a plan? Maybe that's why there's so many talented players in NCAA basketball, which has over 350 teams that you never know about because they play for teams without great coaching, without great game plans, and without great teams. And that clearly doesn't work. That's just like the executive is doing, just letting his hot shots run. So let's look at some proof over those 350 Division I basketball teams. Out of 350 teams, when you look at the top five winning teams in the past 60 years, UCLA, Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, and Kansas, there are a few interesting observations you can make. Since 1939, when there were 156 teams, to today, when we have 353 teams, on an average basis over those 84 years, these five teams have reached a disproportionate share of the following. Final fours. Any team has a 1.4 and 100 chance of making a final four in any given year over the past 84 years, meaning any team should make it about 1.4% of the time. North Carolina, however, holds the record with 21 final fours, making it 25% of the time in any given year, followed by UCLA at 18, Duke and Kentucky at 17, and Kansas at 16. So each of these teams has reached the Final Four a multiple of 13.6 times their representation in the NCAA. Let's look at championship appearances and championships. Any team has a .74 chance in 100 of appearing in a championship game where a team should make it about .74% of the time. UCLA holds the record with 18 championship appearances, making it 15.5% of the time over 84 years. And they also hold the record for championships one with 11, winning 13% of the time. And we would expect that to be about 0.36% of the time, followed by Kentucky at eight and North Carolina at six. And finally, let's look at first-round NBA draft picks. Since 1947, there have been 1,466 first-round NBA draft picks from the NCAA. This talks a little more to the individual players and the teams because any player in the 353 teams could be a first-round draft pick. Interestingly, the same teams prevail. Kentucky leads the first-round NBA draft picks at 57, followed by North Carolina at Duke, each at 53, UCLA at 40, and Kansas at 35. So is this a coincidence? No. Is it because one school has a resource advantage over the other schools? Probably not. Many schools have endowments and sports programs that are well or better funded than these schools. So how do great teams or great sports teams or great sales teams win over time? 
They've got great players, but there are great players on every team. Here's the difference. They have strong leadership in terms of their coaching. They use a system. You probably heard of the Dean Smith system for North Carolina. Well, there's also a Coach K system for Duke. They follow a methodical plan. They motivate and leverage their talent and connect them within a team. And they have patience, they measure, and they make adjustments. And they don't get reactive. These are the teams that you're scared of even when they're down by 10 points with one minute left because they have a system. So what do all these basketball statistics have to do with sales or business? Well, it's the same thing. Why would we run our strategic accounts or a business without a plan? Exactly. If account planning is so important, why aren't we doing it? And what's the best approach for account planning? Well, a few years ago, after working with a lot of companies on hundreds and hundreds of strategic accounts, I made some observations. The ones that were most successful were not overly administrative. They didn't just focus on incremental growth from one year to the next, like we're just going to grow 3% or 4% in the account. They engaged the account team in something that was meaningful and in something they could see the results they could get. And also, they engaged the customer in the planning because it was to their benefit. And most importantly, the ones that made a difference were aspirational and motivational for the account team and the customer because it could move them toward a much bigger future. So they were aspirational, not incremental. And that's what aspirational account strategy is all about. It's about the bigger, audacious goal and how you think, and how you change the paradigm for your customer. It's not about filling out worksheets of any color. It's about aspiration, big thinking with the customer, and consistent action. It's the system that'll get you 13 times your share of the market, just like those five teams we looked at. So in our next episode, I'm going to share some of the power of aspirational account strategy and why it can make a difference for your organization and help you grow your revenue, especially in an uncertain economic time. So next time you have a reaction to planning and you want to just jump into action, think about the power of your plan and your team. And next time I'll show you how to plan aspirationally. So try this idea in your Freight of Friday and every day.